Thank you guys so much for listening to the Family Worship Center podcast. This podcast is our weekly messages that happen at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday here at Family Worship Center. Don't forget to check out our website at myfwc.tv and follow us on all social media. If one of these messages touched you in some way, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on our website or on any of our social media pages. Simply put, we exist to partner with God in changing the quality of families' lives. We hope you enjoy this message. Good to see you guys this morning. So we're uh, continuing on this uh, series about relationships. And how many of you guys know that relationships can be a blessing or a disaster? Anybody ever had experiences with relationships? We're talking friendships, we're talking co-workers, we're talking family members. Um, it's either a blessing or you feel a little bit like it's a relational vampire that sucks the life out of you, right? And I think that's one of the reasons that God speaks so much in his word about our love for one another and how to treat one another and how all that stuff lines up with the way that we love God because he knew that there was no escaping relationship. So I felt like when he put this on my heart, it was really timely because it's something that we all deal with. And so here is the title of our message today is how to deal with needy and difficult people. Anybody ever need any help with that in their life? Am I the only one? And so here it is. How many of you guys would agree, by a show of hands, that there's always at least one difficult, crazy, or needy person in every family, friend group, or place that you work? Would you agree? All right. And look around, because there's always one. So for those of you that didn't raise your hand, the people that did raise your hand, look over and say, there's always one. If you didn't raise your hand, it might be you, right? We are all in different seasons of our life in need and difficult to deal with, right? But we all have these type of people. Maybe it is uh, the friend that's always on the hashtag struggle bus or a hot mess, right? It might be that friend within your friend group or a coworker or somebody within your family. I even think that there's a scripture that covers this. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but it goes something like wherever two or more are gathered, at least one of them is crazy. Might have gotten my, my translations a little mixed up. But there's a lot, a lot of truth in that. And so what we're going to talk about today is how to walk through seasons and how to serve people with the right heart, how to love people with the love of Christ when sometimes it feels like they're sucking the life out of you a little bit. But, we, but you know, you can't change the family that you were born into, um, the place that you go to church, the coworkers that you work with. And so sometimes I believe that God puts us in the midst of these people to not only be a blessing to them, but to also refine our character and to teach us some things. Because we're going to look here in a minute that dealing with difficult people starts with taking a look at the inside of ourselves. Don't you just hate it sometimes when God does that? It's like, God, what do I do about this issue? Well, look at yourself. What's in your heart? What am I doing in you? And you're just like, no, but that's not what I asked. But you're going to see in Scripture that this is what happens when we begin to look at love and relationship. So I pray that whoever the difficult people are in your life are not as bad as this gentleman in the video that we're going to watch real quick before we continue. It could always be worse, right? It could always be worse. So how do we deal with difficult and needy people in our lives? Here's the, here's the tension with it, is that there are a lot of people in our lives that, that we care about. 
right? And we know that Jesus cared tremendously about people, right? It even says in Mark that he was moved with compassion towards people, right? That's why he served. That's why he came, died on the cross so that we could have access to life with him because he loves people. And he calls us to love people as well. The tension is sometimes it's hard to love people, Amen? It's hard to love people in relationships, so how do we do this? And there are two points that I want to kind of lay the foundation before I give you some very practical stuff in dealing with difficult people. But the first one is this. We have to operate from this truth right here, that people aren't problems that need to be fixed, but they're people that need to be loved. No matter what situation or area of need, maybe you're the hot mess right now. You're still worthy of love. And they're not, they're not problems that need to be fixed, but they're people that need to be loved. And when we operate from that premise, we will love people better when we look at them through that lens that they're worthy of love and that Christ came to die for them just as he came to die for us. And he has a plan for them just as he has a plan for me and you. They're not problems that need to be fixed, but they're people that need to be loved. And here's the other thing that kind of set me free when I was looking at this, is it's not our responsibility to fix people. It's God's. And you will know this if you've been married longer than five minutes. You will know that you are not supposed to fix a person in a relationship, right? You're supposed to lovingly point them to Christ. I've told this uh, story before, but my wife is not a morning person, and I am. And uh, I remember I had these when we first got married, kind of this grand idea that, you know, on the weekends, we'd get up early and do stuff together. I always got up early as a kid. And um, I remember we'd just gotten back from our honeymoon, and uh, I woke up early one day, and I'm just like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sweet to her. Maybe we can do breakfast or something. You know, I had this, like, grand idea. And so I got up and kissed her on the cheek and said, good morning, babe. I'm like, come on, that's some gushy stuff. Like, come on. And without opening her eyes, she said, No. And then put a pillow over her head, right? <laughs> we are not called to, to fix people. We're not called to bend them to our way of thinking. We are only called to be a sounding board that points them back to Christ, who is all that they will ever have need of. And so how many of you guys that are married would say amen? Fixing your spouse does not work, but lovingly pointing them to Christ and allowing God to do the work in them will bring lasting change in any relationship, not just a marriage relationship, but a co-worker, a friendship. It all starts with understanding that it is not our responsibility to fix people. So we have a heart and a mandate from God to serve people well. And the biggest thing is, is we have to serve people from a healthy place in and of ourselves. And so my second point is to start by looking at yourself. Start by leaning in to God transforming your life because people that are transformed by God will help other people be transformed by God. But people that are, that are hurting in and of themselves, oftentimes not meaning to, will hurt others. Because we're not serving out of the overflow of our life, but out of an obligation to people. And there's a difference in that. 
when I'm secure in my identity of Christ, it really starts with identity. Who am I as a born-again believer, a son and daughter of God? How does God look at me? And then as I'm getting filled and my life is getting transformed by God, then I can in return be a blessing to other people. But if my life is void of the transformation that God wants to do in there, I'll often serve from an unhealthy place that'll leave me frustrated as the person that wants to serve and help others well. So it starts in our own life. What are we doing? Are we submitted to God? In these, you know, as we look at these difficult relationships in our life, when we allow God to do work on our own hearts and we're transformed by his word and discipleship, listen to this, we will be more equipped with compassion, love, and the confidence to help others out of our overflow in our life. So the first thing is, it's not your job to fix people. Everybody says, say, it's not my job. And secondly, if you want to truly be a blessing and help lead somebody to the Lord's way of thinking in an area, you have to start with being devoted to God transforming your life as well. And God's word promises that he will equip us for every good work. And how many of you guys know that serving difficult or needy people is a good work, right? That needs to be done, but God does the equipping. God does the equipping. And we know this through the fruits of the Spirit. How many of you guys have heard the fruits of the Spirit, right, in Galatians? So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of you guys can look at a hot mess relationship in your life and think if those things were there, this would be a good relationship? So how do we get those things? By spending time with God. By allowing the Spirit to develop these things in our life. And so that's why it's important for us to be growing, us to be transformed by God, and understand that our identity is to love people, and God does the changing, and God does the work in their life, just like he did the changing and the work in my life and your life, and continues to work on our behalf. It's like when you're flying. How many of you guys have ever flown for a trip before? And how many of you guys have, have actively listened to the little safety spiel that the flight attendant gives, right? Some people just put on headphones, you know, when you've flown a while, you're like, I got it, right? I'm in a safety exit, I got to help people out before I go out, blah, all that stuff. But when she's talking about the, um, if, if the plane encounters issues, what's going to fall from above you? The oxygen mask. And what does the flight attendant always say? Put your mask on first before deciding which of your kids you like better to put the mask on next, right? No, she says, put the mask on yourself first and then help the person beside you. It's the same principle. Are we allowing God to transform us so we can better serve people? Are we putting the oxygen mask on ourselves first? Getting our life from the source of all life and then using that overflow from our life to serve those that are difficult to love around us. There's much more grace for that than doing it out of frustration. And so, put your mask on first. Be led by the Spirit of God. So those two things. We're not called to fix people, and we look at ourselves first. And so I'm going to give you three ways to deal with difficult people in our lives. But it all flows out of that identity of knowing who we are. The first one is this. Give intentionally, not emotionally. Give intentionally, not emotionally. How many of you guys know 
that oftentimes situations that we find ourselves in, that people find themselves in, can be really emotional situations. Uh, we're emotional people, right? We have, we have a spirit, but we also have emotions and a body, and we operate in the midst of all that. And emotions are not bad, but we should be intentional in the way that we help people. And I, I'm going to share a passage with you that I think paints this picture really well. To set the scene, um, there's a guy who can't walk, and he's at this specific gate, okay? And he begs there every single day for the people that are coming in and out of the city, okay, for, for money. Right, he, he can't work himself, he's, he's not able to. And so we pick the story up when Peter in Acts is going into that gate. And so we see uh, the guy asks for money and Peter says this in Acts 3 verse 6 and 7. It'll be on the screen behind me. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up to walk. So what do we see here? We saw uh, this guy was asking for one thing, but Peter, being led of God, saw the real need underneath what he was asking for. You guys see, helping is always good, but being spirit-led in the way that we help people is better, right? Because he was asking for one thing, and Peter said, listen, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'll give you freely, get up and walk. The man's healed. His whole life changes. He can work. He can do all the stuff that he couldn't do before because he was focused on day to day making it and asking. But Peter was led by God to see beyond that need to the way that God truly wanted to help this man out. That's powerful because my way of helping may not have been what God wanted to do in that man's life, but because he was sensitive to what the Lord was leading him to do, he gave the man way more of what he needed than what he was asking for. So before we just serve emotionally or we dealing with difficult people, we throw ourselves into situations, it's a good practice to ask the Spirit of God for wisdom in that situation. Guys, God's word's very clear. If you lack wisdom, ask. It's free. It's there. It's available. He'll show you. So stop pause, look at that relationship, the difficult people or the needy people in your life and say, God, how can I best serve them? Because your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. You have a plan for their life. I need to get and download what you have for this situation and this person in my life. That's serving them better, not out of emotion, but out of being intentional and understanding and leaning in to the spirit of God. Ask God to give you wisdom on how to help. And you know, it's the hardest thing because it takes time. It takes time to pause in a situation, to pause in the midst of something heated and to say, God, what would you have me do to serve this person best? It's selfless, but it's what Jesus did, right? He said, I don't do anything outside of what my father tells me to do. And we should be the same way, operating that way in our relationship. So I have just a quick prayer if that's okay, I want to pray over this first point in the relationships in your life just to maybe begin to loosen stuff up in that area. God, I pray and I just lift up 
all the relationships in here to you, Father. I pray that you would allow us to have eyes, not in the natural, but have eyes in the spirit to see beyond the mess of what's going on in this relationship where there's tension and see to the heart of what you want to do, Father. To see beyond the surface to the spiritual. To see beyond the natural to what you have going on in the supernatural. And that we would be obedient to pause and to just ask you for wisdom. And God, we know that you'll come through because you promise to always do it. In Jesus' name, amen. It takes more faith and intentionality to operate that way. But helping by being spirit-led is always better than just helping. So the first one, let's be intentional, not emotional. And the second one is this. We need to serve people wisely. You know, Jesus, he served selflessly. He loved authentically. He gave generously, he taught faithfully, he listened compassionately, he did all these things, and then what did he do? He went away and reconnected with God. This is huge. In serving people, we have to always stay connected. This goes back to that put our mask on first. We always have to stay connected to the power source in a sense. Where all of this wisdom and, and the, the grace to walk through these difficult situations all comes from God. And so we have to stay connected with Him. And sometimes that means putting healthy boundaries up in our relationships. This is no fun to talk about, I know. But it is biblical for one thing, and it's needed. We have to understand what it looks like to put healthy boundaries up in our relationships. And so what is a boundary? Dr. Henry uh, Cloud wrote a book called Boundaries. I know, right? Woo, boundaries, so simple title. But he describes it as like a property line, right? If we live next to each other and I put a fence up and if you kept throwing trash over in my fence, in my area, right, we might have to have a conversation. And so we, healthy boundaries are really important in relationships. And this verse right here that I'm gonna share paints a picture of Jesus taking time out of serving people well to reconnect with God and to be refueled. It says, very early in the morning, in Mark chapter 135, it'll be on the screen as well. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went looking for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. So I imagine that this is probably what it's like to have toddlers running around the house and mom just trying to use the bathroom by herself in peace for a couple minutes, right? So Jesus, he goes away. He's like, I need to recharge. We've been teaching. We've been ministering to people. And then all the, all the boys get up and they're searching frantically for Jesus. And, you know, it's mom, mom. You know, little fingers start coming under the door to try to get you like, I'm just trying to go to the bathroom, right? I need a couple moments of peace. This is, is, is the picture that I, I feel like they're painting here with Jesus. He goes away to reconnect with God, and because of people's need to be ministered to, the boys came looking for him, right? And so I boiled it down to this sentence right here. You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. We have to get in the rhythm of detaching ourselves from situations that there's not life in to be recharged by God so we can love people better. So here's the thing about boundaries. People will never set them for you, especially people that are in need in that time. I've been in need in my life, 
And to say that I stopped for a second to think about somebody's boundaries that I felt like could help me through that situation would be a lie. People that are in need don't help you set boundaries. And the second thing is they won't keep themselves. We have to be intentional about keeping those boundaries in our life, reconnecting with God, spending time with our families because we can get into this rhythm of serving and then what happens when we're not full of the life of Christ by spending time with him, we'll grow frustrated in our serving and loving people. I've been there. I've been there. I am built in such a way that I love to help people. I love it. But there have been times in my life where I've neglected my own soul for helping other people. And what happens is you get frustrated and you get mad. You'll eventually get mad at the people that are in need. Gosh, why don't they respect me? I need time for myself. And it was all because I didn't seek God and put healthy boundaries up from relationships in my own life. It's worth it. It's hard. There's difficult conversations that come from us having to set boundaries. But it is wise. That second point is to serve wisely. It is wise for us. To, to serve people the best. And when we are the best version of ourselves, we serve people the best. When we are being transformed into God's image. Guys, God never asked that we become a better us. He asked for us to be transformed into his image. And he'll do that if we'll lean into him. But we have to have the space and the time to do that so we can better serve those around us. And lastly is this. So we got to serve intentionally, not emotionally. Serve wisely. And the third thing is we have to trust completely. We have to trust God completely. We have to trust that God is always faithful. And this is huge. God is always faithful and you and I are not responsible for the actions of other people. This is a big thing to learn. Because we can point people towards God. We can speak truth to them. But we cannot take responsibility for the actions of other people. We have to trust that, what's the Bible say? Some plant the seed, some water the seed, but God always gives the increase. So if they're not listening to us and heeding our wisdom, I have to trust that I'm either planting a seed or I'm watering a seed that's already in their life. And down the road, God is going to give the increase. But I'm not responsible right now for what decisions they're making. And when we can separate ourselves from that, we can truly love that person because how many of you guys know no matter how knuckleheaded a person is we talked about it in the beginning they're still worthy of love they're still worthy of love and when I don't take responsibility for them I can love them better from the outside and I would even say I can point them to God better because I understand that separation and know I'm not responsible for their actions we are never somebody else's solution we don't meet their need we don't change them God changes them. You and I are just the delivery system that can give love and wisdom and direction. And we have great people that are put in our lives and in our church through Pastor Pat. And all those people can be sounding boards and guiding lights towards God. But ultimately, he has to meet their need. Galatians 6, 8 says, Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man reaps or sows, he will also reap. How many guys have ever sown something bad and reaped something bad as a result of it? But how many of you guys have sown something bad, but God's mercy and grace met you there, and it wasn't as bad as it could have been, right? God's the answer, not us. Whoever sows in the flesh will reap in the flesh destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God will reap eternal life. And so, 
a story in the Bible that I feel like paints this picture of us not being responsible for other people and sometimes allowing for them to feel the weight of the decisions that they make is the prodigal son. You guys have heard the story of the prodigal son. I'll uh, simplify it just for the sake of getting you guys up to speed on the story and maybe modernize it a little bit. So we have this guy. He goes to his dad. He's like, listen, dad, I'd rather you like kick the bucket soon so I could get my inheritance, but you haven't yet. So uh, is there any way that I can get a forward on this? Go ahead and take my inheritance. I got parties I want to go to. I got awesome restaurants I want to eat at. Like this guy's got stuff to do. And so the dad grants his wish, and he takes it, and he just squanders all the money, right? He eats at the fanciest places. He goes to the best raves and parties you can imagine, just living it up. And then the money runs to an end, and he finds himself not only serving on a farm, but serving on a pig farm. And not only is he serving on a pig farm, but he's eating the slop with the pigs because he has nothing left of his inheritance. And the dad in this story does not go out and rescue his son from this situation, but his son is in this midst where he's feeling the weight of the decisions that he made. And one translation says he came to his senses, where he said, even the servants in my father's house eat better than this pig slop that I'm chewing on right now. And what was he met with when he went back to his father? He was met with grace, he was met with mercy, and he was placed right back into the family where he rightfully belonged. Now what would have happened if somebody came and rescued him along the way? He wouldn't have come back to the father. You guys see? It was him coming to the end of something, the end of himself in a sense, that woke him up to say, I need to go back to the Father. And this paints a picture of how God is there for us, always to meet us with mercy and with grace, but sometimes the weight of our own decisions is what brings us to that place of surrender to God. That's why we have to be led by the Spirit of God in how we deal with people. Rescuing is not always helping. And sometimes there is times to step in. But I think it's being led by the Spirit of God to automatically do it as a reaction. It's not always best for people because then we become the solution and God is not the solution. You can allow people to experience the consequences of their decisions and still love them. And still love them. We can pray that those, they will find the true Savior And will call upon his name because he is the solution and not us. And the reason that we can do this and continue to serve with humility is because we were met with the same grace in our lives from Christ. So we know that if he does it for us, he'll do it for the tension of the relationship in our our own lives. And if he'll do it for us, he'll do it for them. And so that grace and mercy is extended to them. And so we can serve them knowing that God is also pursuing them. You know that God pursues us and he says, just knock and the door will be opened. All those things that are in scripture that I'm right there. Just take a step towards me and I'll step towards you. And so this is the truth that we have to operate in. Knowing that God is also pursuing them and we are not the solution in their lives. If we stay humble and continue to love God and love people, we can be vessels that point people toward the Savior 
and love and support one another in our healing. We're all in need at times. We're all a hot mess at times. And we can extend grace to one another. And what I love is when we love each other well, we paint a picture to those who don't know Jesus of who Jesus is. And I'll prove it. In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment that I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we paint a picture of Jesus to those who don't know him. How are people going to know that we are disciples of God? How are people going to know that we're brothers and sisters in Christ? By the way that we love and treat one another. It paints a picture of who God is. And so loving difficult people is worth the price paid. Jesus loved me when I was difficult. My wife loves me when I continue to be difficult. I got good friends that love me when I'm difficult and needy. And so it's stepping out. It's serving intentionally, not emotionally. God, give me wisdom on how to best serve this relationship. It's setting up boundaries. It's serving wisely and knowing that I need to be recharged of God before I can give out. I need to serve out of my overflow. And then the last one is is to trust completely that God has it under control. Let me pray for you guys before we close up today. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Sometimes these type of things are hard to, to deal with. It's hard to talk about, hard to bring up. But the reason that I believe that I've seen so many heads nodding and people saying yes is because we all deal with difficult relationships. Lord, I pray that your grace would just be there for us to walk in. Lord, that as people begin to ask for your wisdom, that you will be faithful to give it like you promised. Lord, I thank you that we can take a step back sometimes, God, and allow people to feel the weight of their decisions. Lord, I pray that we would be free today knowing that we are no one's solution. You are. You are, Father, and we can just point them towards you, point them towards you, point them towards you, love them well, share wisdom with you, but always say that you are the answer. You're the solution to drug problems. You're the solution to money problems. You're the solution to tension in a friendship or relationship. God, you are the answer, and let us continue to point people that way and just give us the grace to walk in it and to walk it out, Lord, to just be practical in the way that we serve people. Because you don't need our help, Father. You ask for it. And if we commit our lives, you will use us to reach people. But it all comes back to you being more than enough. 